Hi guys, welcome back to another edition of the Red Wall Podcast. I'm your host, as usual. My name is Marcelo Inestrosa, and I'd like to welcome you to episode number 83, entitled Screenplay By. In this edition of the show, I was so pleased to interview independent screenplay writer, filmmaker, and journalist Ruben R. Diaz. Welcome to the Red Wall, Ruben. It's a pleasure to finally have you here. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm honored. <laughs> this is a, an interesting relationship of meeting you through random YouTube channels. <laughs> Pretty cool. Oh, no, actually, it wasn't really random. The only reason that I met you is because I, uh, I ran across your... Is it okay to call him your best friend since you were like two? <laughs> I mean, he's one. He's definitely in the top five for sure. He's been in my life, my whole. I mean, I consider Starfleet boy a family, basically. I mean, like friend is too weak of a term at this point. But yeah, yeah. I mean, you could call him one of my best friends for sure. You are a very unique individual in that you are a writer, a blogger, and uh, you used to work at a radio station uh, uh, back in the day, which I'm very, very curious about. But where I want to begin. At what point in your life did you get struck by the writing bug? What was it that made you realize that you want to be a writer for the rest of your life, whether that's writing movies or film? Um, the uh, I remember when I was like twelve, me and a couple of my, my my closest friends at the time, one of one of whom is still in my life, uh, we loved comic books and we loved Dungeons and Dragons and we loved fiction and we loved all that stuff. And we all tried to create our own comic book. And I remember in the process of doing that, I couldn't draw to save my life. But I really enjoyed the writing process. Um, and then I kind of never, it was kind of, that was kind of it until high school. And then in high school, funny enough, I took, I tried to take creative writing every year. But then because there weren't enough students taking the class, the class would get canceled every single year. Like literally I tried to take creative writing five years in a row from junior high to high school. And it was canceled every single time. It was basically me and my cousin who also loved writing, uh, is also a writer. He, um, it was me and him basically signing up for these classes and no one else. Um, but in high school I took, I took a health two class as an easy a, because I was like, whatever, like you can't fail that, you know? And funny enough, one day we showed up for class and the teacher thought that there was no school that day. So she had nothing prepared. So just like off the top of her head, she said, okay, everybody write a story using vocabulary words from whatever chapter we were on. And so I ended up writing this little story starring two friends of mine at the time uh, going to Disney World and somebody in a Mickey costume basically murdering people. And it was like this whole like murder horror movie thing. And it kind of went around the class. Like the class started, everybody started reading it. It was like really into it. And I was like, oh, I kind of really enjoy that. Like I want to do that again. <laughs> like how do I do that again? And then a lot of classes in high school just required, like I would ask teachers like, hey, can I just write this in story form instead of an essay? Or can I do it this way? And, you know, a lot of teachers, especially English teachers, are very open to that sort of thing. Um, and so, yeah, I remember writing a few times in my senior year English class, at least twice reading stories out loud 
using people from the class. So they would crack up when they'd hear their name called in the middle of this insane story. <laughs> uh, and that was it. That's from then on. It was nothing else. None of these stories were in proper screenplay writing format, right? No, the first time I tried to write screenplay, so all through high school, me, Starfleet Boy, um, our friend, uh, the doctor who's been on Starfleet Boy's show, uh, we all loved writing fan fiction, especially about Star Trek, because that was our thing. So I, I remember having this, I still probably have the pay, the notebook somewhere, but we all wrote a lot of that fiction, and so, and we read it to each other. And so that was kind of interesting. That was kind of our creative writing class because we didn't have one. These stories that you wrote in class, they weren't in traditional screenplay formatting. When you eventually made up your mind and said, I want to take this seriously, did you take any courses? I remember during that time, it was me, the doctor, and Starfleet Boy writing. Each of us kind of took, you could see each of us going in a particular way. Like I remember Starfleet Boy being very, going heavier into the prose kind of novel kind of writing, um, you know, and then me and the doctor more me. I think the doctor stayed more prose too. I started leaning more and more to what I eventually figured out was script writing. I started looking at my stories and being like, I'm writing in script format, just not properly. So the first thing I did really was when I got to college Okay, so here's a little kind of intimate part of my life. I kind of self-defeated myself, and I thought, okay, I want to write stories. I want to write movies and stuff, but, like, that's not realistic, you know? But I still want to be a writer. So I remember the first story I tried writing script format was actually a Deep Space Nine script that was basically the fugitive on Deep Space Nine. <laughs> you know, and that was the first script I tried to write, and and that I just learned from. I mean, there was no internet at the time to like look up shit, <laughs> so it was learning just from going to the bookstore, finding scripts, reading them, being like, okay, they always put this thing here, they always put this here. Um, in college, I uh, when I started going to college, I took creative writing courses, but those were all prose things, and and um. And so I got jobs early on writing you know, journalism, a lot of journalism classes and stuff like that. The, the screenwriting, the format itself, I learned from reading scripts. Eventually, when the internet came around where you could look stuff up, I said, okay, let me make sure I'm doing everything right. You know, so let me look up stuff on the internet. Let me do some research. Let me read more books. I started reading a lot of books, like that book I told you a few weeks ago, uh, How to Write a Screenplay in 21 Days by Vicky King. Um, you know, I, I would just go to Barnes and Nobles and be like, okay, what's a screenwriting book? I just, um, and then for me, it was reading a lot of scripts. I would just start reading. Uh, I remember before the internet really had scripts, it, it became kind of like people started selling scripts. Like you could find, like they actually started marketing the scripts in a really nice. I remember getting like the Return of the Jedi script, the Indiana Jones script. Uh, train spotting, like a bunch of stuff, aliens. And so reading and just seeing how different writers, because I mean, you read a James Cameron script and you read a Quentin Tarantino script and it's mind blowing because it's like you see both movies, but they're written completely like night and day different. And 
except for the format. <laughs> right? The format stays consistent. <laughs> when I was learning how to write in screenplay format or in script format, my Chadich uh, or my mentor, the, the guy who taught me, really wanted me to go down the path of traditional screenplay writing. I was tremendously confused because I never wanted to write for film. When I came to the realization that I wanted to write for TV and film, what I initially wanted to do was write for TV, but my college at the time didn't have a writing for TV course. So I was forced to um, uh, learn screenplay format, and I had a very, very difficult time playing with the elements and and basically pleasing my my professor and, and how he wanted me to go about formatting the particular script. Would you say that everybody writes scripts differently, whether they be for TV or film, but the general bones of the thing stays the same? There used to be a lot harder difference between a TV script and a movie script. Um, there used to be a, some dramatic, I'm talking 70s, 60s, there used to be some dramatic differences in the way you wrote a screenplay, just formatting wise. They were almost completely different. Now, I don't think it's much different. The, the only real difference is understanding kind of the pacing of the different mediums. You know, TV TV has a different heartbeat than a movie, than a horror movie, than a horror TV show. Than, you know, so, so it's interesting because the, the two have melded together so much now. That there really is no difference to me in, in, in one or the other. The one thing that really drove me crazy about my professor is that I had a very simple question throughout the entire course and he couldn't answer it for me. He couldn't tell me the difference between a screenplay credit and a written by credit. Like he couldn't wrap he couldn't wrap that simple question or concept that I needed answered around his little puny head and it drove me <laughs> up a wall. <laughs> so I, I've, I, I've asked uh, the two other guests who are writers just like us who I've had previously on the podcast, and they've told me different answers. So I would like uh, to hear what you have to say about that. Uh, between like written by, story by, that sort of stuff? Yeah. Um, I mean, Hollywood's weird because a lot of stuff is contract-wise, is a contract thing, and there's a lot of um, – there's – there's a lot of silly little politics that happen. So for instance, like when you see, it sounds stupid, but when you're watching a TV show and let's say the opening credits, and like a, a show like Picard that has like 50 producers on it. When you see like a producer or whatever, anybody's name, when you see just their name on the screen, a single title card, that's a big deal. Cause that's just your name being highlighted. You know what I mean? So it could be the way I interpret the written by versus, I guess, in my head, I don't really know the real exact answer. I think it's more of a contractual thing where, where you know, what the, a writer doesn't want to be put with, like, written by you and me. So he says, okay, written by you, but story by me. You know what I mean? And so then that way they get a kind of singular credit that's more a more prominent than than that what i interpret that as is is more maybe the person who did the direct 
writing of the script and formatting of the script and organizing of the ideas into the script. Um, I mean, when I did that, when I wrote up my feature, the feature film I wrote, I, I wrote it with, on credits wise, there's four other writers. I wrote 95% of the script, you know, of the, of the original shooting script. Um, you know, we didn't really discuss how credits were thing, but I didn't really care either. It was, it was a group effort. Um, and I wasn't there for the actual shooting. So stuff was rewritten, you know, somebody had to be there, but, um, so yeah, that's a, that's a weird thing because Hollywood credits are interesting. So to my kind of interpretation is the written by person did the direct writing, the, the day-to-day kind of scripting itself and not only scripting, but all the materials that go with that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know what what the actual if there's a real answer. You know, my instinct is to say some sort of credits thing. I had a friend of mine. You know, he basically says that he works for Warner Bros. and he's a reader. Uh, I had a similar question for him when I'm watching a let's say an episode of Next Generation, and a lot of times on Next Generation and Deep Space Nine, you would see the the credits teleplay by. Underneath those names, you would see story by. So this gentleman told me that a teleplay is basically a screenplay for television. So I don't know if that was correct or wrong, but I can tell you right now, shortly going to start writing my first ever TV show uh, towards the end of the year. So and I'm and I'm looking to work with a with a couple people. So I might employ that a little a little credit just to make it easier on myself to to to, to not make me go completely bonkers and, and, and nuts. In the little conversations that we've had on Starfleet Boy, you have a very unique way of structuring your stories to the point of madness sometimes. <laughs> so so I mean I mean I mean when you first told me this, I was like, Good lord, how do you so um so can you just explain your overall process a little bit? Uh, I mean, it is it is definitely different depending on. I mean, every every story, every script, every project is kind of a different thing. But generally, um, I mean, if it's something like I'm writing just for me, like a script I want to write for myself, um, and maybe eventually sell it or whatever. But like those, like it's interesting. I would say nine times out of ten. It, it could be something like it happens all the time where like I could be on Starfleet Boy and you notice I don't talk a lot sometimes. I'm just listening, right? And and it, there might be a point where like I'm listening and somebody will say something or, you know, it could be anywhere, but like somebody will say something and I'll be like, huh, you know, if you did that with a character like this, that could be interesting. And then that little thing, I go home, I just start, generally what I do is, I write, I start scripting. I love to actually script. So I start scripting a scene. Like I see a scene in my head and I say, okay, how, how does this character sound? Like let's, let's start hearing them. And, and so that's a generally how it starts. I, I really just get into the scripting to start hearing the characters. And then depending on the story, I'll, as the project goes on, I'll start, you know, obviously if it's a TV show, you got to create Bible stuff. you got to create character bio stuff. you got to create a bunch of synopsis, different versions, long versions, short versions. Like there's a lot of other material that goes along with the script. Um, you know, you just start like spreading out that way. I, I definitely love letting the script 
tell me everything else. And then just tweaking and editing. Like I told you once, like writing is 90% editing, you know, I can crank out that initial script pretty fast. And then I can go back and start being like, okay, this doesn't work. This could be better. You know, you start thinking about the characters a little bit more. You start creating their backstory a little bit more. You think of something in their backstory. You say, you know what? I'm going to change this dialogue here because now this makes more sense with them coming from this place rather than. So, yeah, generally I, I start scripting. I get inspired by some idea. I start scripting with like the project I'm working on now with some producers. Um, they came to me with, I mean, funny enough, they had shot a short film. And they told me the idea. I saw the short film and I said, okay, you should have, first of all, you should always come to the writer before you shoot the film because it's not a good place. So what ended up happening with that was I watched the short film, which was five minutes long. And then I wrote a 50 page pilot in about 10 days based on that short film and the idea of the overall idea of what they wanted for the show. Now it's been a year later, that whole short film, everything, all that's been scrapped. And I've written a whole second pilot that takes the whole thing in a new direction because we've got a new producer, um, you know. So in, in those cases where it's like a job, you know, where it's not like inspired my, oh, I want to tell the story. Um, you kind of, I don't know, you manufacture kind of, you kind of understand the structure of a script and a story and the way it's supposed to be told. And so you can start, I know it sounds very formulaic, but you start filling in the gaps and then you just start coloring them in and, and making them a little bit different. And, you know, um, I'll tell you a story. One, one script I wrote recently, a TV pilot, I was, so every Tuesday I do uh, a reading thing where you take scripts and the actors go and then you cast and they read your script so you can kind of hear your script and then go back and tweak it or whatever. And one day I was standing outside the event and the event was on the beach and the sun was setting and, and it was just a beautiful sun. It looked like it was a, a like you've seen the movie drive with uh, what's his mm -hmm. face, Ryan Gosling. It looked mm -hmm. like a, it looked like a scene out of drive. It was just a beautiful noir Miami scene, you know? And I was just like, man, I want to write a Miami like a Maltese Falcon in Miami, in modern day Miami. And so, and that was it. I went home, I watched Maltese Falcon. I read the script. I watched a bunch of other noir films from the era uh, just to get kind of like the flavor. And I wrote a, you know, I wrote a 50 page pilot and Bible and blah, 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 and all that other stuff. My process is extremely different than yours, but I think that, uh, when I actually do get around to doing the series towards the end of the year, I have really come to the realization that if I want to do the series right, I'm gonna to have to actually break every single episode that I do. So I'm gonna to have to, I'm gonna to have to map it out because if I don't map it out, I have a possibility of getting lost in the weeds. But you said to me once that you get so meta when you're working on your own projects, like you break down down a script and just you know, just like action beats. You get that meta with it. Elaborate on that just a little bit. Uh, right, yeah. So first, I wrote a, I wrote a feature film, horror film uh, last year called Slasherville um, that I wanted to be, you know, straight up homage, my love to for slasher movies. I wrote the first, the opening kind of 
12, page, 12 uh, pages to you know, 10, 12 minutes of the movie. The kind of what I call the Drew Barrymore Scream. I love Scream. I know you're a big fan of Scream too. Yeah. Uh, Scream, the original Scream movie. And I like the sequels enough, but I just want to talk about the original movie. The original movie to me is, I consider it basically as close to a perfect movie as you can get in that genre because it's just relentlessly paced. The story is always being pushed forward at every moment. It's amazing. Like it's a master class in how to make a horror movie slash slasher movie, right? Yeah. So, so I basically wrote that first twelve pages, and you know, and then I started formulating the story. I started kind of outlining a little bit. I do a little bit of outlining. Well, what I really do a lot of times is, um, so in in the software I use, I basically. I make a file, not a file, but like a, a a page for every sequence, effectively, every sequence of the movie. I just I just start making them as I remember, as I think about them, and just filling them in initially with uh, with just like one sentence, like okay, this is supposed to happen in these few pages, this is supposed to happen here, this, and you map out the movie in just like a sentence at a time, like like breaking an episode of TV. Or right. kind of think of them like like index like, cards. Yeah, yeah index, index cards. Card, yeah. Yeah. You're just writing the index card, putting it on the wall. Kind of funny enough, the software I use has like this corkboard thing. I don't really use it, but it's it's there. You know, and you just and then you go back and like one of the things I learned from I know he's you know, Josh Wheaton is not the most popular person on the planet, but he is an accomplished writer. So one of the things I learned from Josh Wheaton too was years ago I heard him say, um, kind of and I do this a lot. So I'm constantly writing a fuck ton of things, right? I'm always working on something. So, but what I do is, which a lot of younger writers have an issue with is I write, and this is what I learned from Josh Whedon, which is write what's hot. So I'm working on two, you know, like I worked on basically two feature films at the same time, two horror feature films, night and day different movies. But I basically just had a bunch of different projects and then, or like now I'm doing this project with the producer, but I'm also still writing my own stuff. And, and so basically what happens a lot of times is a writer will get stuck and not know where to go with the script. So when that happens to me, I just go to another script or I start editing. That's another tip I like to give people is when you're stuck writing edit. Because eventually that'll get you back, and you'll, you'll be like, "Oh, you know what? The sentence needs a little bit more." I can, and then one before you know it, you're writing again, because you're editing, 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 and you're like, "Ah, oh, you know what? I need more dialogue here. I need this here. Oh, now I remember that scene. I need over here. Let me write that one sentence. Put the scene here." You know, um, I can tell you, I'm, I'm, I have these weekly meetings now with a friend of mine, Franco, who's a director, did a lot of TV commercials. Um, he teaches a screenwriting class. And he's kind of been teaching me his for his system, uh, just because I'm, I'm curious. Again, that's another thing I always tell people is like that I found very useful for me is like learn everything you fucking possibly can. You know what I mean? Read scripts from people you don't like. You know, if 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 you don't, I'm not a Woody Allen fan, right? I don't really like Woody Allen films. They do nothing for me. They all seem the same to me. Like I'm sorry if I'm a Woody Allen, fan. but I've read Woody Allen scripts because Woody Allen has fans you know so to understand kind of cadence and voice and like one of the things i'll tell you too is that like since by going back to the self-defeating thing because i went to college but i started writing i kind of just started 
aimlessly going to college. Then I got a job at a magazine. Then I got a job at a toy company writing product copy, which was nine day difference from what, but I can't, I can't think enough how invaluable that whole process was because I mastered being able to change my voice whenever I needed it. And for script writing and TV and play writing, that, all that kind of stuff, like being able to master the voice is so crucial. You just mentioned writer's voice. Like, who do you think contributed to your, to your writer's voice the most? I mean, I know who some of your favorite filmmakers are, but in what way did those filmmakers influence your writer's voice or did that come to you naturally? Um, I mean, definitely. I always, I know for sure, without a shadow of a doubt, like Edgar Allan Poe, is like in me at all times. I, I'm a huge Edgar Allan Poe fan. Um, and I know he's not a screenwriter, but what I took from him in all my other writing, and I've had friends comment this, is, is that, that the way he set up atmosphere, which I love to do, you know? Um, so, I, but as far as screenwriting, I mean, Billy Wilder, he's a legend. He's a fucking god. Uh, I love James Cameron. Yeah. You know, I've learned his style. That's another interesting thing when you read people like James Cameron work is the way he writes a script isn't really the way scripts are written anymore. So it's interesting because you you read Aliens and it's almost like I'm reading a novel. It's dense with action blocks. And that's murder nowadays. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, the first page of Aliens is basically a novel. It's like black. It's like, I remember getting that note from a writer who saw, read one of my scripts uh, years ago because I had written a script that was very text heavy, you know? And he said, you got to really chop that up. And that was because I had, I'm mostly self-taught and I'm self-taught by reading scripts. And that's a big kind of interesting double-edged sword that I've realized you know, because there's the way Quentin Tarantino can write a script because he's Quentin Tarantino and people don't, aren't going to say no to him. You know, you read his scripts like, like grammatically, like his scripts are grammatically a mess. My biggest problem when CC, I, well, I, I knew I actually wanted to be a storyteller my entire life. Ever since I, ever since I saw the original Mission Impossible film, from 1996, I I knew from that the, point the, that the I Palma, the, the Palma. yeah 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 um I you know I knew from that afternoon that my grandfather took me <laughs> to the film I wanted to be a storyteller but I wasn't aware what kind of storyteller I wanted to be right when I came to screenplay writing through Kevin Williamson he's the only reason that I'm talking to you right now because he is my idol the way that you feel about um, Stanley Kubrick is the way that I feel about Kevin. Like, well, I would put him on one of my lists of writers yeah. that I admire, particularly, you know, Josh Whedon's another one I would right. put up there. If people ask me the the three writers that informed my writing voice the most, it is Kevin, Josh, and J.J. Abrams. Those three people influence the way that I write and some of the elements that I use within my script. When I was in screenwriting class, my uh, my teacher wanted me to to show him he wanted to visualize the script on the page so i would give him these giant chunky paragraphs 
And no matter what changes I made, he was almost never happy with those changes. So I was very confused about what he wanted, how he wanted me to do it. And I, I just couldn't figure out a way to please him. It, it, was, it right. was very, very difficult to please him. I got to such a point where I was so confused about everything that I went online and I read the script for The West Wing. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you look at that thing, that thing is 90% dialogue. So at that point, mm -hmm. I decided, I was like, fuck it. So I failed out of my first three screenplay writing classes. And then I taught myself, basically, I took the bones of what my professor taught me. Mm -hmm. And then, like you, I started reading scripts and I took elements from the scripts that I liked and I infused that into my own writing style. Nowadays, when I write action beats, I try to make my action beats as precise and as short as possible. No longer um, than four lines. If I go longer than four lines, I'll break them up even further. So what's your opinion on that? Uh, I mean, I've learned over the years because, again, I, I kind of learned, you know, I wanted to be the James Cameron style writer. Um, but I realized that's not... It's not the way things are done nowadays. It's complicated because screenwriting is weird. So, like, there, like first you can split it into two things. If you're going to produce everything you write yourself, the rules don't matter. You can write a script sideways. You can write whatever. If you can communicate it to your actors and your crew, more power to you. The whole reason for format is because everybody knows it, right? So... So it's kind of weird if you're going to produce your own things because you can really write it however the hell you want. Because that's how Quentin Tarantino can now write grammatically bizarre shit because he produced most of his own stuff early on. He got people interested in the idea. They gave him money. He shot the movie. His his skill is really like the visual and, you know, I mean, and his dialogue is not really the action box with the dialogue. And so now it doesn't matter what he does because he's Quentin Tarantino, right? You could send a script to a producer, and that producer might like bulk. He might want, you know, a lot of description. If it's a science fiction story, it's hard, or like something that, like, of that kind of thing, where you have bizarre artifacts and board cubes, and you know, stuff like that. Like that's that's where it gets really tricky because you don't want to have I. I I'm with you on your kind of idea. Like if I get to four or five lines with an action block, I look to where I can split it and make it two smaller action blocks, you know, because that's the way things are done. People want to read snappier things, but again, then that, then it gets that complicated stage of like, um, if it's a science fiction story and I want to, I want you to envision this death star or the star destroyer or the enterprise, you know, like I have to explain it to you, you know, and and that's where I think you can with a TV show. You can get away with not having to do that, because if you're pitching a TV show, you're also pitching a Bible. You have to pitch and you have to kind of understand you don't have to know precisely where the whole season goes, but you should be pitching the idea for the season where this is all going to go, you know, maybe even little, like it depends again, because different producers want to see different things, but generally like I have, I can send it to you. I have the Netflix pitch package, the way they like it organized. Okay. So um, 
it's interesting what they want to see, you know, like stuff like that. So with a TV show, you can kind of get away with, you know, putting in a bracket C Bible for the explanation of what the spaceship looks like or whatever. But it's tough, man. It's tough. I won't lie to you because I wrote a script one day just as an experiment to kind of, um, it was an idea I had for like a modern day Indiana Jones, right? And so I said, let me try to write the beginning of it like Indiana Jones. So I read the script of Indiana Jones, watched the movie, um, and the script, the first couple of pages of Indiana Jones is a block. It's all just him going through the jungle. There's no dialogue. It's quiet for like five straight minutes or like, like a minute or two. And it's two pages worth of script, you know? So I wrote it just like that. And, and the, the writer friend that read it, that he works in LA, he was like, oh, I love the story. But like, that's when he said, there's too much black on the page. And that's when I started kind of realize, okay, like you do got to, you know, chop it down. Like you read the script of things like Stranger Things. And it's wild, man. It's like one sentence, one sentence, you know, like it's crazy. So, yeah, it's tricky. It's tricky. There's no good answer um, because it's like this precise formula of just enough, you know, two, three sentences. I usually think about it. One of my longest running just sitting projects that I've been working on on and off for 15 years. When I initially wrote the story for it and I said, I want to write this story. And then I, I turned into a screenplay. I wrote all the action blocks like in big chunks. It read more like a novel than it did an actual script. So the reader that I send it to didn't really connect with it because uh, a lot of that script is very, very personal to me. You really have to know me on an emotional level to connect with that script. So they suggested that I take one particular element from that script, which is which was a sci-fi element, and I expand on that. So I, like an idiot, took that one little note, turned halfway around, and wrote an entirely different second draft that was like eighty pages. All right. And you know, which is it, it's basically I, I basically took the heart and soul of the first script and I tried to infuse it with this this science fiction plot based on one of my favorite TV shows of all time, Fringe, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so fast forward a couple a, a couple months ago, I sent it to a friend of mine in Australia who is also a screenplay writer like us. And I basically, for the first time in my life, I told her everything about me. I told her everything about myself as far as personally... Uh, all my faults and all my shortcomings as a screenplay writer, I told her everything, right? So I told her everything and I sent her the script and she said, listen, I know how you feel about the second draft and I know you want to make it work and I know that you tried your best, but this script has your heart in it. And this script has way more, has, has way less problems than the second draft does. You could make this script work by just chopping up the action bits. This script has your soul in it. And the other script doesn't do that. So when I heard that, I wanted to smack my head up against the wall. <laughs> yeah, because because subconsciously I knew in my heart that the the first script really worked. But what I wanted to do was I wanted to find a way to meld the two of them together and I don't think that I can physically go back and rewrite and, and 
and rewrite the rewrite the script again to do a third draft of it. Like I like I told my friend, if you really want me to, if you really want to see me do that, you're gonna have to help me out with these action beats because I can't clean these up. I can't clean these up. I I I've given you all that I have in these first two drafts. I got nothing left. So <laughs> see, I initially wanted to be a novelist. So so that's where I came from. What made you want to start working at a radio station? Starfleet Boy mentioned that during one of our streams that you and him and someone else worked at a radio station in the 90s. So I I was interested to see where that came from. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, at the time I was working at, uh, before the radio station, I was working at a university as a mailman, delivering campus mail to all the different offices. And, um, and Starfleet Boy was working at the, as a radio station, and he told me there was a receptionist job open, so I took the job, and we started working there. I was a receptionist, and I, I started doing a little bit of production too. He was in he was in uh he did production there. He did, yeah, he did primarily production. I started working with the with uh, the kind of promotions manager a lot. It was uh, and our friend Sarah also worked there. I mean, that to me is like one of my favorite, like if, if I get to pick like a period of life, if, if this is going to be my heaven, I'm going to live that kind of world forever. Like that would be one of the, my choices. Cause I really love, it was just a very happy, fun uh, time. And it was a classical music station, you know, growing up, Starfleet Boy and I both loved movie soundtracks and it kind of just bled into classical music because that's where a lot of it comes from. So uh, yeah, I worked there for about a year before I made a mistake and went left for a law firm to go work at a law firm, which was depressing and, and very, very depressing for a long time. Uh, but it kind of eventually got me back to um, screenwriting because when I was working at the radio station, I was going to school um, studying creative writing. And then that's, and then eventually went to the law firm. And then start working at the magazine after the law firm, way later. But, but, but yeah, yeah, it was a fun time. The radio station was a really cool time. That was around the time I remember the the, the radio station actually spoiled the first, uh, the original Star Wars prequel. Oh, shit. because Starfleet Boy and I had gone to get. We were one of those people who went to get our tickets like a week in advance and blah blah. And you couldn't buy tickets online. It was you had to go to the actual movie theater to get your tickets or call on this crazy phone system. Um, but the radio station a week before the movie came out got the soundtrack, and like track twelve oh. is the death of Qui Gon. Yeah, yeah, they have the labels. Yeah, and we were super excited because I would get all the mail. So we were like, oh, we knew it was coming. And so we we're like, oh, sh- ripping open the packages. We're like, oh my god, it's here! Let's look at the track. Death of Qu-. I'm like, oh fuck, he's gonna <laughs> die. Like, oh, <laughs> that was like our first spoiler, you know, <laughs> like, before the internet could ruin shit. God damn it! I said to myself, "God, I'm gonna try not to laugh during this interview because, <laughs> uh, for yeah, for, uh, for for those of you who don't know, I basically talk to Ruben pretty much every Friday night on uh, on on uh, the show that his friend does, Starfleet Boy, and he makes me rage, happy, <laughs> and laugh like hysterically almost every Friday night that we get together and talk. So, uh, before this interview, I said to myself, "I'm gonna be." 
as professional as I can be, and I am not going to laugh. <laughs> I try, man. My number one goal. I love making people laugh, so it's it's one of my favorite things to do. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, if I if if I didn't know you, I mean, you like like the way that you are on Starfleet Boy is just like so loose, and so, uh, you make everything into a joke. <laughs> it's like, it is so funny. <laughs> I mean, I mean, okay, okay, okay. It's funny, but it's funny in an aggravating way. <laughs> and and to me, and to me, that's the best kind of funny, uh, because because funny because funny in an aggravating way makes you really rethink your position, and and right, and, right. and the and the way that you really feel about someone or a sp- particular writer. Or I said I wasn't going to bring him up, but I'm going to bring him up anyway. Alex <laughs> Kurtzman, uh, you know, and J.J. Abrams. I love them. You know this, but you have right. your your particular qualms about them. And uh, that's all we're going to say. Well, no, I, I, no, I'm going to talk about Alex yeah, Kurtzman. Go ahead, because go ahead. what I will say is that at the end of the day, like the, the baseline reality in my head at all times is that Alex Kurtzman is a talented person, period. Yeah. He wouldn't be where he was if he wasn't good at something. Because you just don't get there by luck or just having the right friends. Like, sure, having the, knowing the right people are going to get you in the positions, but he has to produce too. He's making, you know, yeah, does I, do I connect with him personally? Absolutely not, right? And, you know, do I, do I have my reasons why? Yeah, but like at the end of the day, I do believe anyone I make fun of. And that's why I make fun of everybody because <laughs> at the end of the day, they're all talented. Like, I'm not taking away shit from any of these people. Like, I, like Joe Kinnaman. I can't stand the guy. Every time I see him in something, it's like watching a piece of wood with two like googly eyes pasted <laughs> to it, right? But the guy's good. Like, and I'm sure, like, I haven't looked into his history, but like a lot of actors do theater, and I'm a I worked in theater for seven years. I'm a I love theater, really? and I, I admire theater. Yeah, yeah, I worked in theater for seven years. I knew theater uh, as an assistant manager, stage manager. I wrote a couple plays. I directed a couple plays. Oh, wow. Um, uh, that's you know I love theater. Theater to me, again, elevated my writing in a way that I never expected. Because growing up, I was always just a movie fan. I didn't really give a crap about theater. But um, uh, 2008 financial crash kind of forced my hand to find any job I could get. And one of the jobs was a dude I met at a party, worked at a theater, and I was like, "Hey, can I just lug wood around or whatever the hell you need?" And that was it. I started working there. I started writing there. I started creating there. I got, you know, that really in a funny way is because by that point in my life at 2008, I wasn't writing anything creative. I was strictly, you know, web content stuff, mostly uh, not anything interesting or like just very dry kind of stuff. I was a product writer, copywriter, like very dry businessy stuff. So, and I didn't care. I was happy. Like I said, I just wanted to write. And I would write for myself at home always. And that was kind of enough for me. But when I got into the theater and then I got to write a play and then I met somebody who needed a writer for a short film. And then I wrote that. And then I was like, oh, this is what I wanted to do the whole time. <laughs> you know? And I kind of gave up on it too early. Writing for me is like that little thing in the back of my brain that won't go away. Like, 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 no matter what I'm doing, I'm always thinking about, you know, uh, you know, uh, ideas for TV episodes or ideas for movies or 
ideas how to turn my, you know, ideas that I have when I, you know, was a kid into scripts that could possibly work. So, but, you know, but I'm getting to a point now where I think that pretty soon I'm going to have to choose. Well, I'm not necessarily going to have to choose, but I'm going to have to come, I'm going to have to come up with a, with a personal method for myself. I'm going to have to learn how to budget my time better. You got to find that, you know, I know some, some writers are night owls and they can only write from 3 a.m. to whatever. You got to find that time. I mean, a lot of it too is, it's going to sound silly and kind of basic, but it's just practice, bro. Just write constantly, write for whoever the hell will read it. You know what I mean? Take every note you can read everything you can and practice, 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 write, 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 write constantly. You know what I mean? Because that will eventually you'll find your voice. Like you'll, you'll laser focus on your voice and you'll, You'll just find, you know, like the way I say that I, I write sentences and I, like, yeah, I'm a machine. Like that first draft, I can crank it out like that, you know, but that's not, I haven't always been like that. 10 years ago, I couldn't do that. 10 years ago, I'd be like, I don't know, bro. Like, what the hell? You know, <laughs> oh, I'm so stuck. I give up, you know, like, and that still kind of happens a little bit. It's always going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just the life of a creative person. You're always, I mean, I just interviewed a, a composer who's been Emmy nominated. And one of my questions at the end is always like, Oh, what are you doing next that you can talk about? And he says, actually, I don't have anything lined up. And I said, does that terrify you as much as it terrifies me when I don't know what I have next? He's like, Oh, absolutely. I always feel like the last projects, the the last project is going to be the last project I ever do. And no one's ever going to hire me again. And it's terrifying. And this is a three time Emmy nominated composer. You know what I mean? So I'm only saying that really because, all of us creatives, whether you're a writer, an artist, a musician, whatever, you have those moments. You know, you have those moments where you're like, you're like, I don't know, bro. Like, I don't know if I'm ever going to learn what I need to learn, you know. But it's all just keep doing it. Eventually, you find something that works for you. You know, I, eventually, I can share this, my friend's method. It's a really interesting method about how to quickly organize your thoughts and, and get them in a kind of you know, I'm sure you're familiar with like the three act structure and yeah, save yeah. and save the cat, the 15 beat structure. Yeah. Like, so it's kind of another version of that. And like, okay. I personally like JJ Abrams or save the cat is Alex Kurtzman to me. Like I read it and I was like, yeah, I did not want to write like this. Like this is <laughs> a vampire. <laughs> okay. You know, but I read it because you don't know, you don't know if that's the method that you don't know if it'll trigger something. Yeah. And I think in a way, like, I kind of write in beats like Save the Cat suggests. You know what I mean? I just okay. do it a little bit more fluidly than it, it suggests. I don't think about the page count as hard as right. Save they've saved the cat, you know? So like my friend's method, I'm not learning it really. I'm learning it just kind of for the same curiosity. Like, let me see how he structures his, his ideas and see what I can get out of it and pass it on to other writers. And maybe, who knows, it'll work for you. It'll work for your friend or whatever. But it's interesting. And it's all, dude, it really is stupid, but it's just all about practice and practice, practice, just fright. You're going to write more garbage than good shit. And that's part of it, bro. That's, you know, like. Do you think, do you think it's wise to like when you, when you're, when you're writing for yourself or you're writing for someone else, do you think it's wise to write with your heart on your sleeve? Because as I've gotten older, the best, the, when I'm at my best as a writer is when I'm fucking 
pissed off and enraged right. and everything comes out of me. And at the end of the process, I'm so exhausted that I can't even think about, I can't even fathom going back in there and, you know, tweaking it, editing it, you know, fixing it. But I, eventually I do. So what's your opinion? Like, like, how do you write? Do you write with your heart on your sleeve or, or do you write with your your head first? I think I know what you're going to say because you told me before, but. Yeah, I'll tell you the Vicky King quote that stuck with me above everything from that book. And I write from your heart, rewrite from your head. Because I do that same sort of thing. The reason I write that first draft so fast is because I just let my heart race with it, right? So, you know, Maltese Falcon in Miami, modern day Miami, and I just let my heart go with it. What is that like? How is that going to be? Just go with it. Just go. You're in Miami. Okay. How does it change the story? Maltese Falcon starts off with these sort of beats. Okay. Just go with it. Just go with, it. you know, then you go back. And, and that's another reason I told you, or I mentioned the whole having different things, you know, rage, rage here, rage here, rage here. Then go back to the first one and start editing. Cause now the rage is gone and you can think better. You're more rational. Mm-hmm. You know, when I like the project I'm working on now, one of the reasons it changed uh, so drastically from the last year to this year, literally one year ago, actually, like a week ago. Anyway, um, was because the actor slash producer who was a friend of mine who brought me into the project, he, um, his father passed away um, about six months ago. And I was looking, when I was working on the characters and the Bible and all that stuff, I was looking for something emotional for the character to for an emotional thread to the story we had the plot beats we had the the story of like the bigger things you know the the alien or whatever you know we had that kind of thing and why he's doing that but there was no character thread there was no reason there was no heart to the story and so i asked i asked uh, my right my friend i said i called him one day i said you know he was talking to me about his father and i said look can i can i can I tell you something? Can I take what's happened to you and make it part of the story? Because in him telling me, in him basically crying and talking about his father, it clicked in my head. Hey, that's a perfect thread for this main character to have. To the, that now it's not about the, yeah, the mission is to stop big destruction shit. But the thread is because my father's been missing. You know, and so not only does I give him as an actor because he wants to be the lead in the story, and not only him, not only if he's the lead, but like if anyone else is the lead, it gives them something to really grasp onto that's driving this character from within, not just the external shit, but the real drive within. You know, so now I revamped that story com- almost completely. You know, from version one to version two just to add in this thread that's now started to really um, to give the, the, the story life. You know what I mean? So, and that's the rewrite from your heart, right from your head thing that Vicky King taught that God bless this woman <laughs> because it's such a simple statement, but it's so true because I vomit out those first drafts. I want to see a slasher movie, you know, okay, there. Now what do I got? Let me let me sift. Okay, there's spaghetti. A terrible analogy, but like 
You know what I'm saying? Like the rage. You rage it out. Just yeah. let the emotions out. Because at the end of the day, the trick to writing, if you want to be successful at it, whether it's novels or whatever, um, you know, I've written comic books, I've written web series, I've written also even product copy and copywriting. You're you're telling a story, right? And you gotta make that story relatable to the person you're telling it to. So you know, I know you had a lot of stuff in your life and you love to, you love to open up about it, which is awesome. It, it it shows other people in your same in a similar situations that they can do it too, that they don't have to be alone, you know? Mm-hmm. And and for your writing, like those that script that you that your friend with the first and second draft, like mm-hmm. Yeah, that's now, what I've been now, working now, on for fifteen yeah. years, yeah. Hey, I, it took me ten years to write my first comic book, which turned out to be my second comic book because it took so long to write that one that I wrote another one for someone else first. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it happens. It takes time sometimes to tell a story, you know, like that story took 10 years because I wanted to tell it. I did. I mean, if I tell you the story, it's, it's on the surface, it's already instantly offensive. And it's basically, it's called, it's a comic book I wrote available on comiXology, shameless plug. Uh, It's called Jesus, the Christ dinosaur slayer. Uh, It's basically the teenage, uh, it's a teenage Jesus Christ being tricked back into time by the devil and he has to fight dinosaurs but it's it's basically a superhero origin story about jesus right awesome and so a lot of people were like oh that's so offensive blah blah and that was the thing it took me a long time to write it because i was like i don't want this to be offensive it's not about being offensive it's really i'm a you know i've read a lot of religion stuff and like jesus the bible skips jesus from 10 to 30 so I was just like, well, what the hell does he do for 20 years? That's a long time. He's fighting dinosaurs. That's a simple answer. So, so yeah, it takes time. It takes time to write a story. And that's why, again, like the multiple story thing, the multiple rage m- missions, you know, like, you know, also try try not to even write a screenplay. Just try to write a, try to write a, oh, not, not a screenplay. I'm sorry. Try to write a five minute movie. You know what I mean? Try to write a 10 minute movie try to write different things just to kind of experiment with controlling pacing, you know, cause it's terrifying how it's like, you know, they tell you all the time and it's true. Like when you see great movies, it's, it's a three act play within a three act play within a three act play within a three, like the scene within the sequence, within the act, you know what I mean? They all have a story within a story, within a story, within a story. Um, and it takes time to craft that. Um, but the vomiting thing, though, the rage, let's go with the rage because that sounds cooler. <laughs> the rage thing is is the way to go, man. Rage it out. And then that now what you got to really master is like, how do I go in and 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 clean this up so it, so I can translate the idea to the reader? How do I make this work? And how do I make this make sense? It's not easy, but it's, you know, that's, I mean, I have a screenplay that I wrote the first 10, 15 pages three years ago i've had the idea for three years i have never written more than those 15 pages because i just can't figure out how to do it right you know it's it's three different movies i'm trying to make into one kind of idea and i feel like the three movies are kind of each one's kind of saying no you have to just pick me kind of thing you know what i mean you can't put us all together and so whatever that's why put it aside go work on something else it's not don't force it all right, guys. So on that note, I think that'll do it for this edition of the Redwall Podcast. I'd like to thank you very, very much, uh, Ruben, for coming on the show. But before we go, is there anything that you would like to promote? Uh, yeah. So most of the day-to-day stuff 
that's interesting to read <laughs> uh, that I write is uh, popaxiom.com. I do interviews with film and TV professionals on there. Everybody, not just actors and directors, but composers, costume designers, production designers, SFX people, trying to get more YouTubers, uh, uh, Twitch streamers, all these people. I've interviewed a few of those. I also write, do interviews, sometimes movie reviews, although I try to avoid doing that, <laughs> for rumorg.com. And we choose a horror website. And then also I have my own website, Ruben Writes, Ruben-Rights.com, <clears throat> which will link to all the other stuff. And that's it. Yeah, I mean, that's about it. Go check out my comic book, Jesus Christ Dinosaur Slayer. I haven't promoted it in years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, actually, that sounds uh, amazing. You know, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of that issue of Buffy the Vampire Slayer season eight, the first issue where she Goes back in time and she fights a dinosaur. I don't know if Joss wrote that one. Right, but, um, right. It's crazy. It's I didn't insane. think about that because I have season eight. I have like a hardcover version of the comics. Oh, cool. Thank you so, so much for taking time out of your evening to talk writing uh, with me. Thank you so much for being here this evening. It meant so much to me. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much, man. I got to thank Starfleet Boy for bringing us together. This was a lot of fun. I love talking shop with writers and and anytime, man. Thanks a lot. All right, guys. So that'll do it for this edition of the Red Wall Podcast, episode number 83, entitled Screenplay By. Listen, if you like the work that I do at all and you've appreciated uh, this sort of course correction that the show has taken in the fourth season. Um, I would appreciate a comment, a like, or subscribe on whatever podcast service you happen to be listening to me on at this very moment. But as always, I am so, so grateful to anyone in the greater universe that is listening to the sound of my voice uh, right now. But as always... Until next time, I'll see you when I see you.